Hello and welcome to this episode of The Art of Podcast. Today we're joined by Matt Slater, a writer for The Athletic, a former press association and BBC journalist, and many more. He has 24 years in the industry, so I really hope you'll learn a lot of lessons from him, enjoy our chats about The Athletic, the BBC, his career, and a whole lot more. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining me. Um, do you want to give us a quick overview of who you are, what you've done in the past, and what you're doing now? Okay, Sam. Uh, I am a reporter for The Athletic, um, which is this relatively new um, sports website and app. Um, started in the States about three years ago um, and came over to the UK um, uh, last summer, kind of the beginning of the football season, um, I think the crucial thing about us is we're behind a paywall, so um, we are trying to change the business model for for sports journalism. Um, you know, we 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 think we hope that people will pay for good quality journalism. We've gone out and hired lots of staff, um, and the. I guess the proposition is we 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 will cover the Premier League, the top championship sides, Celtic Rangers, um, big European leagues, more extensively and in greater detail than than anyone else can. Um, we we tend to write quite long pieces, um, and we have a whole load of podcasts as well. So we have podcasts for most of the teams now. Um, you know, you get, if you are a subscriber, you get the podcast without adverts. If you're not a subscriber, you can you get them from all the usual podcast places. You get them with adverts in. Um, the app is quite a cool app. A lot of you know time and money spent on the app. So um, you know that's where we, we we hope and think most of our uh, readers will read us. And you can obviously you know tailor it for whatever you want. Um, in the states, they cover every single major U.S. sports league and, and college sport as well. And golf and bits of bits of um, but lots of boxing and, and um, martial arts and what have you. So that's that's what the athletic is. But prior to that, um, I was the chief sports reporter for the Press Association, which is the main um, news agency um, in the UK and Ireland. Um, it, I, I don't know if, if you if people will understand what an agency is. We, we like Reuters and Bloomberg. You know, we go off and we we write news. Um, business stories, politics, court reporting, good old fashioned news, and um, media outlets subscribe to us. Um, actually PA, a lot of the media outlets are shareholders um, as well. So it's very much um, the kind of backbone of um, national and, and very strong in, in regional newspapers get a lot of their news um, from, from uh, agencies and, and, and PA being the biggest one you know on the sports side um, you know PA would kind of have someone at every single game um, rugby union rugby league EFL um, racing you know and, and does and provides a you know a comprehensive service that people pay for so that I worked for them and then prior to that I was at the BBC for a long time um, you know, I guess anyone that lives in this country will understand the BBC uh, I was at um, their website for when it launched, their sports website when it launched. And then I kind of moved into TV and radio for a while. 
uh, yeah, and did, did, did sport. And before that, I did a range of jobs. It took, you know, like, like a lot of people, um, um, my first few jobs were in, yeah, I worked for Top Gear for a bit. I worked for newspapers and did um, everything from subbing to match reports. I did uh, a couple of years as a business journalist. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, just, just, just jobs to get my, my foot in the door and to pick up experience and also to, to earn a bit of cash and earn some money because that's the, the sort of key thing when you're starting out as a journalist. You often have debts and, you know, uh, you know, I often sort of say that, the whole point of journalism is it's a trade it's a job you, know, you need to get you need to get paid for it and it's important that people remember that uh, i know it's difficult but um we should we should never lose something of the fact that this is a a, a genuine profession uh and uh yeah um so obviously you've talked about the the business model of the athletic and about um how the work is done so obviously there's been quite a large thing going on in the world with the coronavirus how did that impact your work and the work of your colleagues um when reporting on a world without any sport well it's a good question um certainly a challenge particularly i mean the thing you have to understand about the athletic is it it's, a, it's a, effectively a startup i think i said it's been going in the states a bit longer it's been going there about three years uh, and it's grown very quickly, very fast. And it's done that with largely with borrowed money, with, with venture capital. Um, and those people will want their money back at some point. Um, they've taken a punt on us in the same way they take punts on, on, on lots of things. Um, and uh, the UK operation is, is all part of the expansion, hired lots of people here. And, um, you know, we're not, we're not profitable yet, but I don't think we're going to be profitable for a while. You know, fine. Lots of lots of companies start like that. Um, so this 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 uh, crisis that uh, you know is cliche now to say it's unprecedented, but it but it but it was <laughs> it is um, you know it came at a very tricky time for a, for a young company. Now look, that, that's that's sort of the bad news. The good news is we had raised quite a lot of money. Um, that in we were getting close to um, not losing money anymore. So that's that's kind of that's kind of important. And um, we have continued to grow through the entire crisis, which is, I think, one very encouraging for people like me that have taken this job. Um, but, but I think a testament to, to you know the good work that we've done and the, the, the fact the brand's getting out there. People are people are hearing about us, noting us on social media, seeing our stories picked up in the in the national and regional papers. Um, so that's good. Um, it, it, it's had a big, a big impact on every sports journalist, and I think it's had a massive impact in the states. Um, where, if you think about US sports journalism, they they play each other a lot. The teams they 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 have very uh, congested and regular playing um, schedules. So, you know, baseball is what is it? Something like um, I can't remember. Is it two hundred games a season they play? Um, basketball, their their regular seasons eighty plus games. Um, you know, similar in ice hockey. So they, they, they're used to playing two or three times a week, three times a week, um, you know, often on, on these sort of nights in a row, on, on away trips or home stands, as they call them and all that. So um, it's the regularity of sport and then for, it to, and for nothing to happen, I think was a real challenge. Um, the other thing about, I think, American sport, sports journalism, is they get amazing access to their players, um, it's it's very usual, very 
you know, it's one of the big differences between to the US and, and European journalism. US journalists tend to get into the locker rooms. They tend to be able to get players and managers and, and, and decision makers quite easily. There's a, there's a sort of, kind of closer connection, I think, between the media and sports stars. Um, so when that got interrupted, that got, that got interrupted first, you know, journalists were being denied access to locker rooms before lock, you know, before the, before the, the game stopped. So already there was, there was a kind of interruption to regular service there. And I think, I think that's been a, a big challenge. Um, and you know, they're not back and running yet. There's ongoing conversations about when baseball comes back, when basketball restarts with its playoffs. So yeah, big, big challenge for our American um, colleagues in the, in the UK. Well, yeah, it has been difficult. I, I think we, I think the coronavirus itself was a fantastic. Well, so, sorry, journalists often do this. We, we talk about a good story when we mean it. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good story to write about and report when it's actually a terrible story. But um, I've never been busier. So I, I do news, kind of football related, you know, football news, and I, I typically do things like the business of football, um, politics of it, how it's run, governance. And this has been great. It's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, every you know, every every week there's been you know, three or four stories I could I could have covered. Of course, there's been too much to be honest. We've had these 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 sort of almost weekly meetings held by the Premier League. Would they curtail the season? Null and void it. Um, debates about that. Um, okay, let's play again. Is it safe to play? Does that mean taking tests away from the general public? Is it going to put um, pressure on the national health? Is that right? Should players take pay cuts? You know the politics of that. Um, then we got into um, things like the broadcast rebate and how they would divvy out the games. Would the BBC get some games? Um, oh, you know everything from piping noise in. Yeah, do, these are all stories that have just that have just kept me very very busy. And people like me, all the, you know, my 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 equivalents on newspapers. I, I know because I've spoken to them. Have been really really busy too. I think if you covered a club if you're what we call a beat reporter you know and your bread and butter previously had been two games a week you know going to two games and writing pieces off the back of those games previews of those games player interviews yeah this has been more of a challenge um and if this had gone on much longer i think it, it, it could have it could, yeah. there's only so many kind of greatest hits pieces you can do or i wonder what so and so is up to how they're keeping busy during lockdown or uh, club heroes, club legends, um, you know, kind of Q and A's based on. I, don't know, I mean, we, we've done, we've done also. We've been very, very. I think, like, 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 like most newspapers, we've, we've done. As I say, like, look at the BBC, how they've done it. You know, they've gone, they've raided their archive. We've, we've all raided our archives in, in one way or another, um, and I think we've just about managed to manage to keep people's interest. But, but look, the start, the resumption of, of Premier League football, Championship football came at a great time for us. And um, we, we, we then spent, once we knew it was coming back, we then spent two or three weeks really kind of nailing what we would have to offer people. And we made a really, really big deal of, of the resumption of play. Yeah, um, it's been sort of almost very sudden it came back. We've had sort of two, three games a week. Um, so, as you say, that's been keeping people busy. As a subscriber, I know that there's been lots of content going out uh, from The Athletic during the lockdown and stuff to watch, uh, read, sorry, stuff to listen to. Um, what are some 
sort of pros of working for them? Do they give you just an open remit to write and do the stories that you really want to hone in on? Or do they sort of give you, Matt, here's what we want from you this week? It's a bit of both. Um, And I think, you know, for most journalists, if they're honest, that's what they'd say. I mean, you know, if we we all just wrote whatever we wanted to, we wouldn't always you know have an audience for it i mean maybe freelancers can do that maybe maybe a really well established freelancer could say i'm only going to write in stories that i'm interested in and that's great i think that would be a very small number that could that could genuinely say that there will, there will be times when they're taking commissions and if you work for a newspaper work for an agency work for anyone really there, there is going to be an element of 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 your boss the bosses saying look there's a good story over there we'd, we'd like you to cover it you know ideally there is a bit of a conversation about it and you know, making sure that you're the right person to tell a story, making sure that you've got input into it. Um, and, and look, if it was all one or the other, it would be a problem, right? If, if, if you came to the table, if you brought nothing to the table and had no ideas and just waited to be handed stuff, well, that would be a problem too. I think what's great about the athletic is we, well, I think there are a few, two, I guess, two main things to say here. Because we're behind a paywall, there is no point us doing what is freely available elsewhere so um, it, it, would, it would just be one it's kind of pointless and I think two would actually be bad for the business model you know if, if we if we just kept doing what you could find on the BBC website or the Daily Mail website or the Guardian website or the, the club website or whatever it might be wherever you get your your football news from you'd be thinking well why am I you know why would I pay for this this is ridiculous I mean okay it might be it might it might be better written it might not be better written but let's just say it is better written but the fact is I can get it for free. So something free versus something I won't pay for. Mm. You know, an easy choice. Um, so don't do not do that. So that means don't really do match reports. Um, don't do kind of injury news. Um, you know, don't do press conferences or anything from a press release. Don't do anything that you know that you've received that, 15 other journalists have received or that you're on a call with 15 other journalists and we've done loads of that over the last three months lots of our work has been you know briefings or interviews like this on zoom or microsoft teams wherever it might be um where other journalists have been on we think well okay so i you know coming from that world you know it's going to be in tomorrow's paper it's going to go on the website at a certain time there's no point if, if there's if there's one story here so at the athletic we are encouraged to well, either go out and get stories that nobody else has. I mean, everyone does that, and it's a bit of a truism. Go get the scoop, but it's got to be a real scoop that you know you're going to force other people to go. Ah, oh, right. Oh, we better. We, we got. To, we got to sort of respond to that. Hopefully, with a credit to us, which would be you know it's a nice free advert. Or take your time, and just just do it better. Just do it in more depth. So, you know, coming from my previous job, certainly my my the one before this, <clears throat> it was all about speed. PA was all about speed. News agency is all about speed. Getting out, then you do like a follow-up later on. You go get quotes. It's, it's just, you know, getting it out quickly. That is quickly and accurately getting people on the record. Um, then your customers could then use. They could do what they like with. They could, they could just run it. They could edit it. They could put another name on it. They could get, oh, that's really good. And then hand it to one of their named writers and say, okay, there's, there's the basis of a story. Go off and you know, do something like that. Totally up to them. They pay for it. Now the athletic is like, okay, take it, take a breath. Don't make two phone calls, make 10 phone calls. 
maybe maybe collaborate with someone here and we'll put two or three people on the byline and speak to everybody you can imagine about this story and don't write 400 words if the, write 2000 words but, but make sure you're saying something fresh and new that they haven't read in the paper or a website or heard on the five live or wherever it might be or talk sport so that's that's the the the, the, the exciting thing about that ethic that's you know when you work for them you have more you have a bit more time but you certainly have more space and you are encouraged and actually pushed and incentivized to to go tell the story in every detail so that, I, that's that's the crucial difference and i mean i won't phrase it as cons but were there some things that when you joined the athletic that took you time to get used to obviously as you say coming from pa there was the speed element but are there other things where you're sort of first month two months you're going oh wow this is different from what i've done before oh yeah i mean so so i mean look cons as you say you know it's you know i love it so but but i get what you mean so so let's call them cons for the sake of the of the of the answer the downsides i mean you know one we've all swapped well, most of us have swapped bigger readerships for a smaller readership you know when so, when you work for somewhere that is free so the bbc you know i could i could write BBC stories for the bbc that would get hundreds of thousands half a million readers right um well, I'm not going to tell you that because I don't think I'm allowed to. But but we're not we're not getting half a million readers for our stories. We've gone because people it's gone from being something that is free and is is a global brand and has a massive social media presence and has been around for a long long time to something that's new, has an unusual name for British audiences and crucially you've had to pay for. So um, now I think anyone that works for the Times would tell you the same or Wall Street Journal or the FT, you go behind a paywall, you lose readers. Okay, but the readers you, you, you have, you retain, are more engaged readers. So I'll give an example of that. If you look at the comments on the bottom of our stories, they are way better, way better comments on the bottom of the stories than you get anywhere. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that is just a fact. And I would argue with any other journalist about that. The comments on the bottom of our stories are better than the comments on the bottoms of their stories. And I've, I've been that guy who's had to deal with dreadful comments, not just because they're like moaning at you, but just because they're just bashed out. They're, just, they're not, you know, it's just people having rows with each other and they just become unruly, slightly pointless places. People that kind of, I think, pay for a product, want more from it. Sometimes they're critical, they want more from it, their expectations are, are raised and they'll tell us that. But they tend to tell us that maybe a bit more politely, but a bit more constructively. Um, you know, they, they ask, they, they come at us with questions. Um, and we are, again, encouraged to, to engage with our, with our readers in that way. Um, so so swap, you know, losing readership, I think, can be can be challenging can be tricky for a while you sort of think oh you know i've got a really good story here but not many people are going to read this i think this, the second thing is you know, i've i've spent a long long time doing news and, and the, the point of news is to get it out as soon as you can you know you even if you're all getting the same story often the, the one that gets out there first is the one that people read and pick up and remember and um and certainly you know pa getting a good well-written version of something that's just happened out was, was, you know, the buzz and, and, and the reward. Um, you know, we, we don't really do that. 
we don't we don't it's, it's not what we're about maybe we're going to get more into it uh, watch this space we might try a bit more of this going forward but um certainly we were not really set up to do it well we haven't been set up to do it for the last few months um so i think those 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 are probably the two big downsides um so of your work there so far what are your favorite pieces you've done the ones that you would sort of give to people to say here's my you know here's what i would suggest you read to get a taste of what i do what we do at the athletic uh, well okay i mean there's i suppose stories that i've really enjoyed writing and doing uh, and i don't think i'd have been able to do them at you know anywhere i've worked before uh, there was one in particular where um, I wanted to sort of experience. Um, I wanted to, wanted to find out what it was like to be a, a football an away fan in Europe. Um, um, I've you know been reading and hearing from friends and, and just sort of reading bits and bobs about how, how tricky that can be. How um, sort of the attitude, the, the, the British fans' poor reputation is still sort of kind of haunting us and. Um, it can be it can be a lot of fun going abroad in Europe, but it can be also you know real pain and very expensive and and you know it becomes almost sort of a masochistic thing, where you know the football the football's almost irrelevant. It's sort of it, it, it's almost to sort of prove what a great fan you are because it's kind of grim. It's a grim experience where you're treated badly by everyone everyone sort of you come into contact with. Um, so to do that, we I, I went to basically four games in, in about, about a week, um, you know, three nights in a row. So it had a relatively big budget. That's the first thing. And, but, but also I, it was cleared a, a week's worth of time. I went to, um, oh God, I went to Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool in, yeah, in, in Madrid. And then I went to Atalanta versus Valencia. And then I went to uh, um, Bruges versus United. So that was three three nights in a row, three countries. I mean, that I mean, a, a huge, you know, on my own. Um, tried to keep the cost down, so you know, traveling very early in the morning, obviously, just to get to these places. You know, staying cheaply and the whole. But the whole point was, I I wasn't supposed to be a, a journalist. You know, I bought these tickets. I, I had to sort of struggle to get the tickets. Um, I find you know find people in pubs, um, walks grounds with the fans, get locked in the stadiums with the fans. Um, you know, get home very late, um, just experience it as they experience it. And then I went to um, um, just to sort of, and the idea we wanted to get a range, that was the thing. We wanted, you know, we wanted to see what the difference between countries, because I'd heard and read a lot about certain countries being worse places to go as an away fan than others. So I wanted to sort of test that theory. So the last country was, was the UK, it was England, and I went to Bayern, Chelsea. Um, so four different countries, um, you know, what are they, th three Champions League games and a Europa League game, um, you know, different clubs, different size clubs, you know, big games, you know, uh, you know, Bruges United wasn't a particularly big game. Um, so that, that was great. I really enjoyed that piece. And I, and I, and I uncovered some, you know, I thought, I thought an interesting story about um, just how different policing tactics are, but in some ways how they haven't moved on at all. Um, good practice, bad practice, um, just hearing the stories from the fans, 
um, and just sort of witnessing it with my own with my own eyes. So I really I, I enjoyed that piece. I enjoyed writing that piece. It did well. It, it was well received, and I and I can genuinely say that nowhere else I have previously worked would have commissioned that story. Would have allowed that story to happen in that way. No, nowhere else. I mean, it's the sort of thing that maybe. Yeah, you know, kind of a, a glossy magazine might do, you know, sort of a more newsy one, something like maybe a GQ might have commissioned that or a loaded back in the day or um, you know, possibly 442 or, but, but, you know, budgets sometimes, you know, there, but perhaps a sort of Sunday magazine, but it's all a bit if, you know, a bit maybe, maybe, but, but the, the athletic just did it straight away. And we've done, we've done some other things like that. Other guys have done other things like that. So that's, that's, I think is a good example. Of, of what I know. I've got other ones I've liked and enjoyed, but, but I think that's one that, that that is very that feels very much like an athletic piece. Yeah, and it was quite long as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of those sort of for people who maybe haven't engaged fully in the athletic yet. Something they like to do is sort of mock the headlines and how things are written about. You know, uh, there's been lots of pieces of people travelling to go and watch football matches <laughs> with X person and stuff, and they like to mock that, but for people like me, I quite like the the feature side of it, the the idea of focusing on something maybe that's not the main story to everywhere else. And I suppose that's one of the sort of the niche things that drags more of the audience towards it than perhaps some people realise there is. To move away from the athletic now and go back through your previous career, um, are there any sort of particular highs lows and sort of things that taught you very sharply about the world of journalism from the career you had before the athletic um come on those highs and, and lows i mean that's taking a while to get through all of those but um i mean that's just, i mean look i've been i suppose how long have i been doing it uh nearly 24 years ish yeah i think starting about 96 um yeah, I kind of slightly fell into it. I wasn't entirely sure what I was wanted to do or what, what I could do, what I'd be good at coming out of university. And you know, every, every, a lot of journalists have, have a couple of early lucky breaks. And I, you know, I, I got, I got one or two in that a friend of mine was, was, um, was temping at the BBC, um, just a summer job as they were waiting for their, their law course to start. Uh, they were, they were in the typing pool, I think, at, um, uh, what's it called? Radio Times, uh, but and he got that just through an agency, um, and um, but he didn't really have anything to do, so he sort of wandered around the building, the magazine building there, which which has been knocked down since BBC Worldwide, which is their their, their commercial arm, um, up, up the road in Shepherd's Bush, um, and he he wandered into an office where the very first match of the day magazine, the very was being was being put together, and at that time it was a weekly magazine, and it was pitched a little bit older than it is now. Um, and they were really struggling. They were really struggling for um, to get to get the magazine done. And he then spent the rest of the week there just helping them. And his actual line manager, whoever that was, didn't really know he was gone. Um, you know, he was apparently working for the Radio Times. And he said, "Look, I've got a mate that that's, that loves football, and you know, can he come in as well?" So I, I came in, uh, and for the next. Oh, certainly for the rest of that summer for the next couple of months uh, he then started his law course and I carried on and they were paying me 
kind of expenses really but but i was off immediately doing doing like fun stuff um going off and interviewing people and going to games on their behalf because they just had filling a magazine's quite hard every week um i think they realized that they had a very small team um and they you know getting someone basically for nothing well they paid my expenses but basically for nothing was a very sweet deal i didn't realize quite how sweet it was at the time but it it, it one it, it it gave me some clippings it gave me gave my my cv a kind of panache a polish they didn't deserve you know bbc match of the day um and it made my mind up crucially that i wanted to be a journalist so that off, the, off that lucky break i thought okay what well, do i want to do another journalism course well a journalism course I, I, I done, I'd done sort of uh, history and uh, Italian at university a bit, a bit random um, and I sort of thought well do I do I go off and do a whole year an MA and I you know I looked at those and and, and, and applied to those and I think I got a place at a cup at Cardiff and like you know these are quite common courses they're still going to this day and they're really good but I just thought well I want to start earning I, I've kind of been at university long enough I, uh, do I do I want to get a loan out and do that and I and I found and I again a, fr a friend of a friend who, who I think had started work at the mail he'd, he'd he'd been a bit more of a classic uh, journalist in that he really focused on journalism at university and I think he'd edited the student newspaper he was one of my housemates and um, he was already on the mail daily mails um, what you call it graduate scheme and it, but, it, but he had done this postgrad course a condensed year in about two months three months it's run it was very close to the industry it's run by the periodicals training council it's still going it's called pma they're a really good training group they're, they're very close to the industry they do this every year i think uh, spring summer they do this accelerated course in journalism which oh, you know I, I haven't had much to do with them since but i do recommend it it's really good um you get a lot of people coming in working journalists coming in to kind of talk talk you through stuff so i did that and then got a job immediately off the back of that so you know finished the course on a, on a friday started work on a monday in, in 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 brussels in belgium doing a doing kind of eu telecoms i worked for a kind of a newsletter that, that did telecoms it eu law around that it was quite an exciting time in that particular industry because the eu was becoming a very significant player lots of american companies were moving in and they were making rules about you know mergers and what have you and the telecoms market was liberalizing so there's all sorts going off and mobile phones were exploding and so uh, i did that for a year and then, then yeah then it was business journalism a bit of you know top gear we came back to it. anyway so that was that's how i started a few a few lucky breaks a bit of hard work um you know making a go of, of early breaks but after that i mean like you know some, lots of good bits lots of you know lots of mistakes made if, if, if i think about something that went really well later on like um cycling i really like cycling so when i was at the bbc i kind of i took on cycling um not many people there were so there was a bit of an opening sometimes you just got to kind of find some space for yourself if everyone's doing football you know think of, think of something else and um i ended up doing that for you know a good three four five years went to, went to cover a couple of tours tour de france's what did did a couple of those on my own, did one as a VJ, sort of trained, taught myself basically how to cover and video things. And um, I remember, you know, one of the things that went well was that I sort of took to that pretty quickly. I managed to VJ a piece for the 10 o'clock news, which, which at the time was, was almost unheard of, you know, that someone would go out in the field without producer, without, any, without help and managed to get 
a package back for the 10 o'clock news. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the cycling was, was, was certainly good at the BBC that, that, that helped me, helped me help raise my profile and I enjoyed it. But yeah, God, I got loads of wrong, loads, loads of, loads of mistakes as well. What, what is next for, for you? Obviously you've got all of this like creativity to go with now at the athletic, um, you know, how, how long do you think before maybe writing those stories gets tiresome and you want to do something different? Is it ever a case of that with you? Is your career sort of were the moments where you thought, mm, I want to change, I want a different challenge? Or are you always driven to get up and keep writing the same sort of line about the football news, the politics and business of it? Well, uh, I mean, no, I would get bored and I do get bored. Um, I think um, I think the thing to say there is this is the first time in my entire career since that very beginning at Match of the Day that I've only written about football. So grew up loving football, my favourite sport is kind of what I choose to do and play. I sort of coach my kids now and you know, it's, it's what I spend my money on. But I've never been a full-time football journalist, never been a full-time football reporter until... Well, that, at that beginning, and you could argue I wasn't full time, so I was hard, wasn't really being paid. I wasn't really being paid very much anyway. Um, till till now, and everything I've done in between has been sports. I've done all sports. You know, I I, I covered golf for a long time. I covered US sport, the BBC at the beginning, in, the, in being at the website. And then I was just very much a generalist. I went to Olympics. Um, um, as I've mentioned, the cycling already, and. Um, you know, football is very important in my country. If, if you are a sports journalist, sports reporter, football football is often at least half of what you do. It probably was nearly half for me, even when I wasn't doing it. But I never felt, I never felt, I never said I was a football reporter. I've never, you know, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm a sports, I was, you know, I was a sports journalist and then I became kind of a sports news sort of specialist, someone who did government policy on sport, you know, I did as much about the International Olympic Committee as I do about FIFA. I did broadcast deals for all sport, not just football. Um, so I did lots of stories about doping. Doping's a, a big, massive, all sport story that, let's be honest, is really more about cycling and athletics and Olympic sports than it has been about than it has been about football. So you know, those are the those are the stories I did lots of, and. That, there's loads of variety that's the thing and then the, the, you know one of the nice things about working somewhere like the BBC is you kind of have variety built in in that you know it's it's it does everything um you know going to PA I kept that all sports brief but it but it was it was a it was a step up in that I was you know then the kind of number one guy there which was nice and that 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 was new and it meant I get to go, I got to go to everything. So I got to go to World Cups as a reporter where I'd only been as a fan before. Um, and things like FIFA congresses, wherever they were, they're not actually that interesting, but they're often in interesting places. Um, so, you know, that, that was fun. And now this, and, and this is different in that, um, you know, I've always liked writing lots and really getting in depth. And whereas at PA, you know, we had hard count word counts and you know you there was no point writing any more than, than, than the, the punters the public well the papers really wanted and you know being brief and concise was the name of the game um 
the BBC, you know, had, had workouts and didn't didn't think that long stories worked. Though I noticed they have sometimes changed their minds on that. Um, um, but the Athletic, we we let stories breathe. If if this story is worth four thousand words, five thousand words, yeah, write five thousand words. If it's only worth five hundred words, don't you know that's that's it. That this story has an actual length. But they're not prescriptive about workouts, and um, so that's been great. So that's fun and i've and, it, and the other thing is i guess being being a sort of a new football reporter um you know really getting my teeth it's, instead of trying to stay across 10 15 sports i mean maybe that I mean, it's impossible to stay across 10 15 sports but let's say stay across half a dozen sports and being aware of what's going on in the olympics as well as what's going on at the world cup no i've just totally focused for nine months on football complete focus and you know that's been that's been fun and i'm no, no, not bored. I'm, I'm loving it. So, you've you've done both the BBC, PA, the Athletic. Now, there's quite a, a almost a war going on at the moment between how we consume media news. What do you think, having worked in both, sort of fast, get it out there, and slow, write it up properly? What do you think is next for both sports journalism and journalism more generally? Is it a model like The Athletic? Is there more demand for the fast news? Or can we find a way to breach the two and bring them both together? I don't know about bringing them together. I think, I think more than one model will survive. There's no, there's, no one, there's no one answer to this. I mean, I've, I've actually, in my career, pretty much worked in, in every platform and every time about it. I've written for glossy magazines. I've, I've, I've written for newspapers. I've written for free sheets and uh, you know local stuff and really kind of weird business or you know with tiny readerships that people again you know one of my first I say that Brussels job it was a it was, it was called a newsletter but if you think about it it was a it was an athletic style venture it was it was behind a paywall you know companies in that space paid for us to write very quite dry stories about um, EU telecoms liberalisation. And, and what Belgacom were up to, and you know, oh, anyway, but um, you know, I'm now just writing more about, about a more interesting subject, hopefully. Um, so, look, you're right. There is a, I think, a healthy debate. A, um, a, the industry is looking at different business models because the one thing I think everybody agrees that that old business model of, of people buying a newspaper buying a newspaper um and and that bringing some value actually not just covering costs and then therefore having big but still having big enough readerships that all the big key sponsors and advertisers in this country would be willing to give you quite a lot of money to to be on page five or whatever it is and to have big page page sized adverts in their newspaper um is 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 going it's been going for a very long time. I mean, it showed a lot more life than perhaps people perhaps imagined. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not gone yet. I think the coronavirus has really hurt it, though, and might, might slightly accelerate that. But it's not gone yet, and it's been more resilient than perhaps, you know, the doomsayers predicted. But it, it, it is, it, it's been in decline for a long, long time, and no one can ignore that anymore. So the, the challenge for all these organizations has been okay so how do you migrate those readers and crucially how do you migrate those advertisers online and digital and migrating the readers has been the easy bit 
you know so the coronavirus is a really good example so i don't know some of these some of these newspapers have probably seen their their paid for newspaper product in april i don't know drop by not 80 percent i don't know 75 percent um because people just weren't going to news agents four courts whatever it was to buy the to buy the paper they weren't they weren't commuting um but their online traffic would have gone through the roof absolutely through the roof and i you know we've seen those numbers and we know that's true but the the online reader isn't isn't as valuable as the old reader they have, we haven't worked out a way of monetizing that new online reader and um digital advertising is not bringing in as much money as those 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 newspaper print ads and the classified ads the classified ads that were the the bedrock of local newspapers um, there's so many ways now to advertise your products and to sell your stuff ebay and god knows whatever else um, facebook and all that um, that's really hurt you know the the, the local um, newspaper uh, industry um, so look what, what do you do do you do you do you go for scale do you do like the daily mail and become become this huge beast and um, just say to your advertisers look Come, come with us because you're going to get massive reach. And if, if you care about, if you have a product that you need to show needs to be in front of a lot of people, yeah, we're, we're, we're still your guy or, or the guardian, you know, you, you, you say effectively it's the same thing, we, but we're, we're going to be this sort of liberal, um, you know, left of center, um, you know, place for place, place for sort of intelligent thought, good, good writing, good reading. And we're going to have this big, big audience in kind of the English speaking world. Um, again, it's about scale. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to stay free, but we're going to, but, but that's it. We want, we want to, we want to, um, we, want, we don't want to go behind a paywall, but, but, but then the guardian, you know, have sort of come up with a, again, sort of a little compromise, a little hybrid model of a bit like the Wikipedia idea where, you know, if you value us, if you like what we do, could you want to make a contribution? And that's, that's worked for them. And I know it's worked for a few other people as well. Some podcasts that have some success with that model. You know, or do you do what the FT and the Wall Street Journal and the Times and what we do and say, well, look, um, do you know what? If you if you like us and you think we're good, can we can we can we come up with a you know a way you agree, like a little micropayment of some sort, or or a, even better, something that we can build a business around, you know, a kind of a subscription, so we have some certainty, you have some certainty, and we won't give you adverts, and we'll try and give you exactly what you want. We'll try and be really responsive to 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 what you like, and we'll we'll tailor the product for you. Um, now look, and then you've got people like the BBC who sit in the middle, who, who obviously are funded in a completely different way. Um, uh, so is, there's, there, there is no one way. I mean, it's interesting to see the people that have tried to do a bit of, bit of both. So I, I noticed things like the Telegraph and, um, you know, is it Bloomberg, where you can get some stories for free. But then they want you. They want to know a bit more about you. They want to sort of register you so they can try and flog you more stuff. So there's so their advertisers can flog you more stuff um, to try and tempt you behind a paywall. So I, I think if anything, there is a move towards the behind a paywall. You know, gradually. And and if you look at kind of the success stories in media over the last decade or so in this country, anyway, it's things like Private Eye, um, the FT I've mentioned. Um, economist spectator you know kind of you know they have a niche they have a place but it but it's the other point the point is it's quality you know if, if if that is what you're interested in we're going to do it do it well and we, we'd like you to pay for it but when you know but when you do pay for it we we will endeavor to to, to do it really really well
think you've um, you've tackled all of it there um, pretty succinctly. So I'm going to move us on to sort of wind us up. Do you have any tips, advice to give to young budding journalists like myself um, for maybe how to get in, how to have a long career in it? Because obviously one of the things that is going on now is shorter careers and a lot of chop and change getting into one career moving on and how do you keep a career in journalism for so long uh oh, that's a good question uh, don't, don't, yeah keep your head down you know try to avoid libel anyone too badly um, um enjoying it i think is the key thing isn't it because you know even if you if you're good at something or it's, it's or it's it pays well, if you don't enjoy it, you're gonna you know you're still gonna you're gonna hit that brick wall, aren't you? And so kind of keeping that enjoyment in it so it doesn't become a chore, um, I think is is key. But in terms of how you get in, but I I think lots of journalists get asked this question. I get asked this question a fair bit, and I would say there's not there's not one way. There isn't one way. Um, you know, I've sort of explained a little bit about mine. There was a stroke of luck in there, but you know, I guess. You know, I, I could say that I sort of grabbed it uh, um, and then sort of reinforced it. I thought, okay, I like to have had a taste of it. Can I can I sort of get myself noticed a bit more? Can I elevate my CV? Can I, by, by, get, by getting a qualification right, good. Then I did the qualification and I worked hard on that. And people came in to sort of see us and we had like a sort of a jobs fair, I guess. And I did well enough. I managed to impress someone to get a job like the next day. So, um, you know, and then did that for a year and got another job and you know everything's a little bit better so but i did look god if you'd have asked me do you want to write about plugs in the european union and um and you know mergers in 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 in, in the czech telecoms world then no no what did i know about that until i started doing it absolutely nothing um but it was a, it was a good grounding and you know, it taught me how to listen and and take notes and um, work out what a top line is and explain it and if i didn't understand it go phone someone up to explain it uh, and to make sure that I'm not writing something I don't I genuinely don't know what I'm writing so you know but you could you could have translated that into I'm seeing other things I could have been writing about um, the, the key is you know the dream job is never the first job well maybe it is maybe for some people it is and they're brilliant well done then but, but for most people it's about the third or fourth or fifth job um, and um, you know you kind of work your way there and sometimes it's not even a straight line sometimes there are sort of weird sideways moves and backwards steps. I mean, like I said, I spent a year writing for Top Gear. Um, now, that sounds good, and it, it was good, and it probably sounded good to other employers, but I don't really like cars. Um, and and uh, I remember getting to the end of that, and people sort of saying, oh, yeah, sounds brilliant. You get to, because one of the gigs there is is you get a car. You get cars given to you to drive for a week and then to write about them. Um, you know, I mean, I didn't, because I wasn't the famous one, I didn't get like, you know, Aston Martins and stuff. You know, I got quite run-of-the-mill cars, but it was an amazing perk for a young person in London. And sometimes I got, you know, nice cars, well, way nicer cars than I could afford. But when you've written about 15, 20 cars in a row, you get a bit, you're running out of things to write about. You've sort of written about how it steers and the bonnet and, you know, and how it looks. And then here comes the worst thing. Um, when you're writing about a car for the second time, so a new version of this car's come out and you're now, well, what did I write about this last time? So look, and again, 
I'm talking about cars, but I could be talking about anything there, couldn't I? I, I could be talking, I could have worked for a fashion magazine and it could have been, oh my God, I'm doing swimsuits for the second time or I'm doing, you know, winter warmers and woolly jumpers and, or a food magazine or, you know, so you gotta, you gotta love it. You gotta enjoy it. You gotta find ways of keeping it fresh. How you get in? Well, that's, a, that's 18 different ways in. None of them, none of them are necessarily better than others. It's whatever works for you. you you've made a good start. You know, you've got a podcast. I don't know. I mean, amazing. And you contacted me and you, you gave a pitch and you said, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, that sounds quite interesting. And you, uh, we, I fogged you off initially. You didn't take no for an answer. And here we are talking and you've, you know, you've hit your deadline. You said, we'll do it at 1.30 and we started at 1.30. Brilliant. So there you go. I think there's about four or five great journalism lessons there. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, bigging me up. I'm going to make sure I send that one around to everyone to tell them how good I am. But uh, do you want to tell us briefly before we finish, just where, what, which podcasts from The Athletic we can hear you on? And obviously we know your writing is behind the paywall. So where can we hear you on? We know that it's on Spotify and such, but which podcasts do you appear on? Yeah. Um, well, I don't. So I'm not a beat reporter, so I don't. Pretty much all the big Premier League clubs have their own. Uh, I sometimes I, I popped up on a couple of those if I've got a kind of new. I, as I, like I said, I do like the, the money stories. Um, the one I, I can't, I'm on most regularly is the Ornstein and Chapman podcast, which I suppose is our in the UK is our is our biggest and most popular um, podcast, and it's the one where we, it's kind of like the magazine show, where we do kind of newsy stuff and we 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 pick out big issues so like project restart Premier League coming back or the Newcastle takeover or you know that's that's that kind of thing so I, I appear on that from time to time um but yeah I, I saw I do uh, appear on a couple others um that, that's the, that's the main one I mean the other one no that's that's I, I, I keep it simple the Ornstein and Chapman one is is a, is a good solid podcast and if 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 you if you guys are you know, listeners and ladies and what have you are, uh, are interested in, in in what we're about and you know what sort of you know try us before they buy us i would recommend listening to that because um, lots of our writers appear on that it's it's fronted by david ornstein who's ex-bbc and mark chapman of course who, who presents match today too and lots of stuff from the nfl show and what have you on, on, on the bbc but they, they they bring on writers to kind of you know chat about what they've been writing about this week well, thank you for joining me, Matt, and giving us the lowdown on the athletic and everything else. Um, I really appreciate it. No worries at all, sir. Lovely talking to you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Artel podcast featuring Matt Slater. If you would like to support this show, please feel free to give it a tweet, a Facebook, whatever, uh, to spread the show and to keep the engagements high. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we'll see you for the next one. Bye-bye.